This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to episode two of Trash Talk with TK. I am TK. Tom Kelly, Eagles, Seahawks, just a couple days away. And this is a really huge game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles come in on... Nine-game winning streak now, 10-1 and one on the season. Let's be honest, they haven't really been tested in about a month and a half. The last game that was really a, a competitive one at the end was the game in Carolina on, I think that was October 12th, Thursday night game. The rest of the game since then, you know, they've either been blowouts from the opening kick or the Eagles have ran away in the end. You look at the Washington game. Close for a little while, but in the second half, they run away from that team. San Francisco's bad team. Eagles blow them out. Denver, same thing. That was a domination from the opening kick. Dallas, down at halftime, outscore the Cowboys 30 to nothing in the second half. Then they play Chicago, and that's a total blowout. Chicago's awful. But a real test coming up for the Eagles this week in Seattle, and I think that's a good thing. Good, good thing for this team right now I think they need a competitive against the team in a hostile environment and the bottom line is the next two weeks we're going to find out a lot more about this team I think we all know this is a really good football team and this is a team that is fundamentally sound across the board this is a team that is capable of of winning a Super Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind, there shouldn't be a doubt in anybody's mind, that this team is fully capable of winning the whole thing. This is without a doubt the best Eagles team since 2004, and honestly, this might be better than that team. In a lot of of areas, they are better than that team. Including quarterback, and I'm a huge Donovan McNabb fan, but I have more faith in Carson Wentz than I ever had in Donovan. But that being said, I do think in the next two weeks, we're going to find out a lot about how good this team really is and how how dominant they really are heading into the playoffs. So they're in the playoffs. They have not officially clinched the NFC East yet. Will with a win on Sunday night. But at this point, the Eagles look like the clear favorite to win the NFC. As I said, dominated every game for a month and a half. There, You don't see that much in the NFL. Teams just by nature usually play close games. It's a league of parity. Even good teams will play close games more often than not. You haven't seen that. The Eagles look like the clear, dominant favorite in the NFC. But now, in the next couple weeks, really coming up against both teams. Because there has been that argument made amongst people, people who doubt the Eagles, who have they really played? Who have they really beaten? Probably the best team they've beaten to this point is is Carolina. I think you'd say probably Carolina on the road 
on a Thursday night is probably their most impressive win. I think Carolina's a good team. They're 8-3. and three. They're more than likely going to be in the postseason. But now coming up against two teams who nobody disputes are really good football teams. And the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams and playing them on the road in games that are going to be nationally televised. In the Seattle game, Sunday night, the whole country's watching. And we're going to find out a lot about this football team. Say what you want about Seattle. You know, their defense is not what it's been in past years. They have a lot of injuries. Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman being out are huge factors. That defense has not looked the same. And they haven't played the same way at home. I mean, they never lose primetime home games. And two weeks ago, they, they gave up 34 points to the Atlanta Falcons and lost the game at home. So it's not the same as in past years going to Seattle, but that's still a really good football team. And that's still a team that plays really well in that building. And that's still in my opinion, the best home field advantage in the NFL. Regardless of whether that defense is as good this year as it's been in past years, that is still a a very intimidating place to go play and a real tough environment to function in uh, in terms of the offense. You know, they're going to be loud. The Eagles are going to need to do things offensively to counteract that crowd noise. Whether it's silent counts, whether it's going quick, that's honestly what I would do. And one thing I think you'll see the Eagles do a lot in this game is go hurry up, go with tempo, try to get the ball snapped quickly, get the ball out quickly. And by doing that, you can really neutralize a loud crowd. And if you get up to a lead, you can kind of take them out of the game. I'd expect to see a lot of that, especially early from Carson Wentz and the Eagles offense in this game. And that's one of the keys, is you need to get the crowd out of it. It's so important. It's always important for your offense to come out and function well early and get into a a good rhythm early in the football game. But in this game, even more important because of that crowd, and it's the best way to neutralize and silence a deafening crowd. Get out and score. Get out and score. Snap the ball quickly. Don't allow them to become a factor in the game where you're taking false start penalties. And and you're taking illegal procedure penalties. That's what happened to the Eagles there last year. Penalties killed them. And if you remember, it it was a nightmare game. The nightmare game for Nelson Aguilar last season. Nelson Aguilar had a bad penalty that negated a touchdown. I believe it was I believe it was Zach Ertz on a screen pass scored a touchdown that got brought back on a Nelson Aguilar penalty where he's lined up incorrectly. You know, maybe the crowd had something to do with that. Maybe if the crowd's not that loud, Aguilar could have gotten the direction from the sideline. If you remember, Greg Lewis, who was the receiver coach last year, was trying to tell Aguilar to move move uh, back off the line. And he's standing right in front of him, and Aguilar couldn't hear him. That's where the crowd can get involved and play a factor. But Aguilar also had a bad drop pass in that game, so I'm sure he's thinking about this, and he's going to want to have a good game. 
But that's what I'm saying as far as the crowd can really have an impact in this game. But if you score and and get it snapped quickly, get into a rhythm offensively, you can take them out of this game. That's a real key. And the other big key to this football game really goes without saying, and it's a it's a tough one because not many teams can do this, and it's how Seattle can beat you, is the Eagles need to find a way defensively to neutralize Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is, I think, the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. When people talk about the best quarterbacks in the league, talk about Brady, Rodgers, Breeze, you know, all those guys, Matt Ryan. But you don't hear Russell Wilson's name nearly enough. Russell Wilson, in my opinion right now, he's the third best quarterback in the league behind Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. That's no disrespect to Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz hasn't done it long enough to be, to be, you know, in that net, in that grouping yet. But Russell Wilson is incredible. The way he can extend plays is second to none. I've really never seen anybody be able to do it the way he can do it. And it's not just scrambling and running for yardage. He just has this uncanny knack for for buying time and creating extra time. And he has covered up over the last couple years for one of the worst offensive lines in football. Their offensive line in the last three to four years has been atrocious. And you don't hear about it nearly as much as you should because Russell Wilson does so much to cover it up. Even when they are, are, are just a sieve and giving up pressure nonstop and they can't run the ball, Russell Wilson will just freelance and make a huge play. And that's something that you've seen time and time again. Defenses, when trying to, to defend against this team, just can't solve and can't figure out how to stop them. And it's really a, a difficult thing for a defense and a defensive line. And the Eagles' defense is going to have to adjust because Jim Schwartz and that that defensive line, their, their objective all the time is pass rush, pass rush, pass rush. Get after the quarterback. Get after him. Just go. Go get that quarterback. You can't play that way against Russell Wilson. And if you try to, he will kill you. The Eagles are going to need to mush rush. They're going to have to be, be much more disciplined in their pass rush than they normally are. You got to stay in your lane and you really need to need to play him as if you're kind of spying him. And it wouldn't surprise me if either Nigel Bradham or probably the guy I'd put on him is Malcolm Jenkins. Like let Ma- Malcolm Jenkins kind of act as as a spy to make sure he can't get out of that pocket and extend plays because that's how he'll kill you. And it doesn't matter how well the Eagles you know, secondary is played and how well they're playing in this game. They can't cover for more than four or five seconds. And that's Russell Wilson's best attribute is he can create time and allow his receivers who are, you know, really mediocre. But they look a lot better because Russell Wilson gives them so much time to get open and make plays. So they're the two big keys of the game. The Eagles need to take the crowd out of it. You do that by... 
Getting the ball snapped quickly, getting it out quickly, use the hurry-up offense. That's the key on the offensive side of the ball. Then on defense, contain Russell Wilson. You're not going to stop him. He's going to make some plays. He's impossible to hold down for a whole 60-minute game. But if you limit those opportunities, you should be okay. And I'm not going to pick against the Eagles. I think you're crazy to pick against the Eagles right now. I have the Eagles winning this game 27-20. I think it's going to be a tight game. I don't think things are going to be as easy for them as they've been the past five, six weeks. I think we could be sweating it out in the end, but I'm not, I think the Eagles are going to win. I'm so confident in this team that I, I just I just don't see a letdown. I don't see you know them coming in flat. I see them being really fired up for this game. They know how important these next two games are. Seattle's not as good as they've been in years past, even though I think this is a tough spot for them. I'm picking an Eagles victory. I have them getting to 11-1 and clinching the NFC East. And now, without further ado, this being Trash Talk with TK, it is time for this week's Dumpster Fire of the Week. And this week's Dumpster Fire, I I think it's pretty clear this week. And it's that joke of an organization up I-95, the New York Giants. What the hell are they doing? Seriously, I'm not an Eli Manning fan. I'm not an Eli Manning fan by any means. I think he might be the most overrated quarterback in the history of the NFL. He's not that good. He's made a living. He's made a career off of two great months in 2007 and 2011, even though they were they played really well in those playoffs, especially in 2011, was tremendous. But other than that, very mediocre quarterback. All that being said, the way he's been treated this past week by the organization that he's played for and given so much for, really, over the last, what is it, 13, 14 years, is an absolute disgrace. Ben McAdoo, that whole organization, should be ashamed of themselves. To bench Eli Manning, and benching him, okay, I don't have a huge problem with that. He's not playing well. You know, you want to... You want to get a young guy some time. If you have a quarterback and waiting, that's fine. But to bench Eli Manning in favor of Geno Smith is a joke. It's a complete joke, and it's so disrespectful, even to a guy who I think is overrated. Eli Manning is still one of the best quarterbacks in in Giants franchise history, a guy that is more or less beloved in New York, a two-time Super Bowl champion, to bench him for a bum like Geno Smith is a disgrace. And if I was Eli Manning, I I think Eli Manning handled it perfectly. They said, oh, you can start to keep your streak alive, but we're going to take you out. Eli Manning said, "Uh, you know what, shove off. And I think that was the exact right thing to do. And it just shows what, what a dysfunctional, disjointed organization the New York Giants are right now. They have no plan. They should have planned for life after Eli Manning years ago. I've been saying it for years. They should have drafted a quarterback because Eli Manning's been on the decline. And now they act like this came out of nowhere. No, this has been happening. 
It's been happening the past few years. It's your fault to not plan for it. If you're going to play a backup, play Davis Webb, the kid you drafted, even though he's probably not any good either. But to play Geno Smith and not have a plan for life after Eli is an absolute disgrace. And the way they treated him is embarrassing. And if I was Eli, I'd be upset too. And this is coming from somebody who, as I said, thinks Eli is an overrated player. But the way they handled that was so disrespectful and wrong to do to a guy that's played for your organization for that many years and has done so much for your organization. And with that, the Giants are this week's honoree for Dumpster Fire of the Week. And now just as we close out episode two of Trash Talk with TK, I want to touch on the Sixers. Sixers losing to the Boston Celtics Thursday night. They split their back-to-back with the Wizards and the Celtics on Wednesday and Thursday night. Not that disappointing of a loss or that surprising of a loss. Sixers go to Boston without Joel Embiid, without TJ McConnell, fighting an uphill battle against a good Boston team. And, you know, that they were competitive. I think that's something to come out of that being proud of. People who say Embiid should have played, I have no problem with him sitting. At some point, it does look like he'll play back-to-backs. If the medical team doesn't think it's right for him to play yet, that's fine. I want him healthy down the road. That's the most important thing. So no real problem with Embiid sitting it out. And I think it made people really realize how important TJ McConnell is to this team. Because when TJ McConnell's not in this lineup, this team is very shorthanded. Because other than Ben Simmons, you don't have a ball handler. Your next ball handler after Ben Simmons is Jared Bayless, who stinks. Jared Bayless is awful. And I can't wait until TJ's back and Markel Fultz is back. Because once those two guys are back, you won't have to see Jared Bayless anymore. And I can't wait for that day. Jared Bayless is terrible. And this is not an overreaction to one game where he made about four stupid mistakes in that Boston game. This is a cumulative effect from watching this team play all year. I've watched every game they've played this year. And they played their best basketball when Jared Bayless was out. He's just brutal. But it shows you this team does have issues as far as depth is concerned. You know, you can rely on about five to six players. You know, obviously Simmons and Bede, Covington's, you know, kind of slowed down a little bit with his shooting, but still a really good 3 and D player. J.J. Reddick's going to be streaky, but he's a guy who'll help you. Sarich, you know, he's inconsistent. But Dario, more often than not, will be productive, even when he's not hitting his shots or scoring. Dario does contribute in other ways, does dirty work. Amir Johnson, a good backup center. But other than that, you have a lot of holes. And and I'll I'll throw in TJ McConnell. TJ McConnell, obviously, a very reliable player. And really a guy who I think has taken over the role as the leader of that that second unit. But other than that, you just don't know what you're going to get from on a given night. You know, Bayless will play well one out of every five games. Timothy Luau Cabarro, much the same. I like him a lot better than Bayless, but... You know, he's going to throw in a clunker. He does some really frustrating things sometimes, and he's got a guy that 
shoots a lot of threes and isn't a great three-point shooter yet. Shooter yet. Once his shot improves, I think he'll be a really good player, but it's not there yet. Justin Anderson, same kind of thing. He's hurt right now. When he comes back, he'll be helpful. He'll take up some minutes. He'll play some good defense on the perimeter. But he's, he, he can't shoot. And that, that's a problem for a guy like that. If Justin Anderson could shoot, he'd be a really, a really useful player. But that kind of makes him a more of a liability in the offensive end. And it just shows you how much they really, really need Markel Fultz back. Because that exact thing they're lacking, I said it last episode, is a Markel Fultz type. A guard, a combo guard who can score 20-25 a night, can score from the inside, can score from the outside, an athletic guy, and that's exactly what Markel Fultz is. And Markel Fultz, I would keep him coming off the bench at least to start out until he finds himself. But then you really have something. You start bringing Markel Fultz coming off the bench with TJ McConnell, with Amir Johnson, and TLC, Justin Anderson. You can leave Jared Bayless on the bench. That's a real second unit that can be useful to you. So that's the way I, I, I see the Sixers right now. Just some depth issues. TJ McConnell being out really hurts them. Hopefully he's back sooner rather than later. But as long as you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they're going to give you a chance. They're going to give you a chance to win every night. And that's why it was encouraging that Boston game, even without Joel Embiid and TJ McConnell. They still went in there and played hard, and they were still in that game in the fourth quarter. And it's never fun to take moral victories. But I do believe that's something that you can that you can take out of, out of that Boston game and be excited about. The fact that even without key players, they're still playing hard and they can still go in and be competitive. And once they get McConnell back and get Fultz back, this team's going to be a real force to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. There's no doubt in my mind. And with that, we'll conclude episode two of Trash Talk with TK. We'll have episode three out for you soon. I'm Tom Kelly. You can follow me or tweet me at TommyKelly44. And I'll talk to you later. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.